Good afternoon, and welcome to the Revelation Power Podcast. I'm author and host Kevin Hopkins, and this is episode 109. In the last few episodes, we've been focusing on the season of Advent, that part of the calendar in the Christian world that that leads up to Christmas, uh, the four weeks before the Christmas season begins on December 25th. So here we are in 2022, as I record this, in the uh, fourth week of Advent. So this is the last week. The next Sunday will be December 25th, and there's a lot of expectancy in this season. There's also a lot of, uh, of depression, anxiety. People feel blue. People feel down. In fact, my parents' church just had uh, a blue Christmas service tonight. For those who are feeling uh, confused, depressed, down in this Christmas season, And I think it's important that we realize and and admit that the Bible, the Bible comes right out and, and shows that that first Christmas wasn't a happy, joyous kind of time. It was in a couple of people's lives. Uh, Luke chapter one in the, in the latter verses has Mary and Elizabeth's celebration that they're both going to have children Elizabeth's prophecy over Mary, Mary's song of praise to God for for granting her the privilege of of bearing the Messiah. Even Zechariah's praise and prophecy after John is born. But with the exception of those people, the rest of the world is really dark. And, And it's meant to be because light is coming. And the contrast has to be apparent. And so I know it's hard if you're one of those people who feels blue in this season. But I promise you, God is going to bring contrast into your life. There's a place in the New Testament where a man who was born blind comes to Jesus to be healed. And the disciples look at Jesus and say, okay, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The question is theological. Can a person be guilty of sin before they're born so that they're born into judgment? It's really a silly question. And and Jesus kind of looks at them and says, guys, you're not even asking the right question. This didn't happen because anyone sinned. A lot of times, when life isn't what we want it to be or thought it would be, we blame ourselves. We look for reasons. We look for for justifications, for why life has turned out the way it has. And the truth is, most of the time, it, it isn't about that. You didn't do anything wrong to end up in a blue place. You didn't fail miserably at something that's brought you into these hardships. Life is hard and it keeps coming at you nonstop. Jesus says to his disciples, this didn't happen because of sin. This happened so that the glory of God could be seen in this guy's life. 
so that there would be contrast. When it came time for God's blessing to flow into his life, it would be obvious from the darkness that he'd been living in. I think that sometimes our pre-Christmas blues are there to present contrast. We've all been through some stuff, right? In the last few years, no one is unaffected. God says, let me show you the contrast. Let me show you what it's like when God breaks into your world again, anew. Today we're looking in Matthew chapter 1. Our last couple of accounts came from Luke chapter 1. Luke was a doctor, probably is recording uh, Mary's perspective. Luke's the one who says Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart, turned them over and over and examined them throughout her lifetime. Um, he would only know that if he was telling Mary's story. This account comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples. He was a Jew. His Gospel is most concerned with presenting the Jewish side of Jesus. And his father, Joseph, is the descendant of the house and line of David. And so that's the Jewish side of the story. And Matthew is most concerned about presenting Jesus as the rightful king of the Jews. So he presents Joseph's perspective. So when it comes time for an angel to visit Joseph, Matthew shows that visitation in his gospel. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary had promised Joseph to be his wife, but while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Her fiancé, Joseph, was a righteous man, full of integrity, and he didn't want to disgrace her. But when he learned of her pregnancy, he secretly planned to break off the engagement and quietly put her aside. While he was still debating with himself about what to do, he fell asleep and had a supernatural dream. An angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, descendant of David, don't hesitate to take Mary into your home as your wife, because the power of the Holy Spirit has conceived a child in her womb. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, or Savior, for he is destined to give his life to save his people from their sins. This happened to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through his prophet. Listen, a virgin will be with child. She will give birth to a son. He will be known as Emmanuel, which means in Hebrew, God became one of us. When Joseph woke from his dream, he did all that the angel of the Lord instructed him to do. He took Mary to be his wife, but they refrained from having sex until she gave birth to her firstborn son, whom they named Jesus. 
Matthew alone gives us this piece of information that Mary and Joseph were married before she bore Jesus. So that figures importantly in a few ways. He's also the only one who gives us this account of an angel appearing to Joseph. Some interesting differences. The angel that appears to Zechariah says, I am Gabriel. In Mary's account, the text tells us the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. So he must have told Mary that that's who he was. In this account, it just says an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. Joseph didn't know his name, apparently didn't ask. I think we often assume that it's Gabriel since he appeared to the other two, and I think that's a safe assumption, but it's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't define who this angel is, but Gabriel has been the message bearer. A lot of people try to assign roles to these archangel characters, and and Michael uh, is often assigned the role of leader of the armies of God. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. So he does, in the book of Daniel, have to war his way through uh, the prince of this, this earth, the prince of the air, through his forces to get to Daniel. But the, the Bible doesn't say that Michael is the general or the leader of all of God's armies. He's just required to fight at times. Um, Gabriel, like, likewise, isn't just God's messenger. The name angel, angelos in Greek, or malaki or malak in, in Hebrew means messenger. But it doesn't only mean supernatural messenger or earthly messenger. It, it means any messenger. So it doesn't mean that Gabriel only has the responsibility as messenger. It, he just says to Zechariah, God told me to bring this message while I was standing right beside him. And apparently that's his, his assigned spot. He is God's right-hand man or left-hand man. He didn't say which side. But he's one of God's closest friends, advisors, family members. And when God says, Gabriel, go, Gabriel goes. But with Joseph, we don't know that it's Gabriel. We do know that he was dreaming when this appearance happened. And we know that it's a supernatural appearance. And that's, that's really the key thought about angels and the advent, is that it's been 520 years since, since an angel spoke to Zechariah the prophet. 520 years without a single appearance of a supernatural angel to anyone. I understand if you're a Catholic person, you say, well, there's Tobit. But scholars generally agree that Tobit is a fictional story written to prove a point, to teach a point. And that that angelic being um, related in the book of Tobit is fictionally written into the story. The last actual witness was Zechariah, 520 years before Christ. 
520 years of virtual silence. A couple of prophets wrote books in that time. They spoke God's word into their world from a human standpoint, not a supernatural intervention standpoint. In fact, in Malachi, God says, close it up. Close the temple and don't go back in. Nail the door shut. If your worship isn't going to be any more sincere than this, then close it up and stop coming. If you're not going to bring your tithe, then don't bring anything. Just stop. It's not really uh, a supernatural message. It's a message of of contempt and, and frustration. 520 years without a single angelic appearance and suddenly Zechariah, Mary, Joseph, and then the shepherds. Four angelic appearances, the last one, the entire host of heaven appearing in a very short period of time. It's meant to say to you, the reader, to everyone who hears the story, especially to the people of Israel, God's coming. Something's happening. God is about to break into your world in an incredibly significant way. Pay attention. But they still miss it. And quite frankly, most people today still miss it. Even those who claim to celebrate Christmas for all the right reasons don't always understand what the reasons are. And maybe maybe none of us knows fully how awe-inspiring this season really should be. But it should be. God is breaking into the world of human plans, human events, human impressions and opinions. God is breaking into the world. Joseph, this passage from Matthew chapter 1 tells us, is a righteous man full of integrity. He is engaged to his girlfriend. They're going to get married. She comes and tells him that she's pregnant and the baby is God's. Wow. Those that culture was more stringent on women than ours is. Women had particular rules they had to live by, or they became destitute outcasts. They got thrown out to beg food or to rake up their harvest out of the margins of the fields. They were, they were ostracized. And that's the danger that Mary's in. When she tells Joseph, look, I, I know we're engaged and you need to know I'm pregnant. Joseph's first question, like ours would be, is who? Who did this? And she says, don't, don't get mad. God did this. And quite frankly, I would imagine that that news was about as well received in that day as it would be today. I'm a dad who has daughters And if any of them had come to me at 15 and said, Dad, I'm pregnant, I would have said, and who's the the dad? And they would have said, "Uh, 
God? I wouldn't have believed it. I would have gone hunting for a teenage boy, right? And and I understand the the trepidation, the hesitancy, the skepticism that just has to rush into Joseph's mind. She's pregnant and and God is the father of her child. This is some miraculous conception. Uh, He didn't buy it. I wouldn't buy it. You wouldn't buy it. We can't look back through the lens of, of Christian history and say, well, I would have done better because we wouldn't. We wouldn't believe it today. And so we have to cut Joseph some slack here because what he hears is too crazy to be true. He didn't see it as awesome or wonderful or miraculous. He saw it as crazy and we would the same. And so I wonder what signals he sent to Mary in that moment that she told him. I think he I think he showed her frustration. He showed her disbelief and he probably turned and walked away and said, I, I got to think about this one. And Mary would have to go home and keep the faith and, and hear the words of the angel again and understand this is going to work out. I have, I have trusted God. This is going to work out. I'm going to bear a child that the angel says is the Messiah. I don't have any higher authority than Gabriel himself. I I have to stick with this. I have to believe this is true. Joseph will come around if he's supposed to be the guy that comes around. Joseph goes home, and you can imagine the thoughts that cloud his head, the, the non-stop arguments within himself. What if she's telling the truth? She's a, an honorable girl. She's a godly girl. What if, what if she's telling the truth? Can I send her away if this is God's child? That's stupid. God doesn't bear children. God's not a person. God can't have children. This is some other dude's child. This is, this is some cheater. This is some person who's victimized her, and she's just protecting him. And Joseph talks himself back and forth in the issue until one night he falls asleep. And in his sleep, the angel comes to him and says, Joseph, don't be afraid. They're not as terrifying when you're seeing them in a dream and not in person, right? Still, the angel's message is, Joseph, don't be afraid. And don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She's telling you the truth. The child that she bears is absolutely holy. And God needs you to be his father. God needs you to raise that boy. God needs you to train that boy. God needs you to name him God saves. Yeshua. It's The Hebrew name would be Joshua. The Greek name is Jesus. It means God saves. And so Joseph, having had this dream, wakes up and says, Huh, I don't usually dream like that. 
Never dreamed about an angel before. And something in his heart tells him this is a message from God himself. And so the Bible says he goes and instead of quietly putting her away like he planned, he quietly marries her. Why do I say quietly? It's so quiet that in the Gospel of Luke, it's not even recorded that they were married. It may not look like they're married. Because there's no record anywhere of a wedding celebration where Mary's family breaks out all the the good food and the good wine and they have a three or four day party and celebrate their marriage. It, it could even be that by this time, the pregnancy shows. And so it's a little late to have a wedding and Joseph's family probably believes this story about like Joseph did. Okay, kids, what's going on? We got the cart before the horse here. Oh no, this is not our baby. This is God's child. Okay. No, we're not going to have a wedding and put this all on display. It would be shameful to have a pregnant girl getting married. So no, we're, we're not going to go that route, kids. So you think about the earthiness of it. Mary and Joseph come to grips with this truth for themselves, but nobody else is in on the truth. Mary and Zechariah, I mean, Elizabeth and Zechariah are in on this truth. They're the only ones. Everyone else is left to assume that something's gone wrong in the timing here. And so from what we can tell in the scripture, Mary and Joseph never have an official public wedding. They, they do something quietly on the side to say, we are wed. And that figures into the next part of the story that we'll tell from the Gospel of Luke. The timing is all wrong. The circumstances are all wrong. The, the appearance is all wrong. The whole story is a mess right here. And, and again, it's not the way I would have written it. It's the way God wrote it. So that in seasons like this, when the paradigm is perfection, when the television shows us the beautiful Christmas tree by the beautiful fireplace with the, the beautiful presents and the, and the mom and the dad and the kids. Nowadays, it's, it's a biracial family with, with one Hispanic kid and one white kid and, and one black kid and one Asian kid, right? It's a fantasy. No such family really exists. And, and yet, still, in 2022, 2023, we're seeing this perfect vision of a family portrayed on our television at Christmas time. All the rest of the year, I see gay couples on commercials, but not in Christmas commercials. Isn't that interesting? All the rest of the year, I see every kind of single parent you can imagine in commercials, but not at Christmas. On all the Christmas commercials, it's couples. Now, they may be single racial or multiracial or interracial or whatever, but it's couples with kids. It's whole families. And so those of us who, who are part of different kinds of families, people who've, 
who've lost children this Christmas, whose kids aren't there to celebrate this time, people with alienated family members who who aren't going to be home for Christmas, people who've been through divorce, and this will be the first Christmas they spend without their significant other who's been there year after year after year, those who've lost a parent or someone close to them and have to spend this first Christmas without that one, an empty spot at the table where they've always sat or an empty living room with a tree with no presents because there was only the two of us and now that the other one's gone, why, why bother with presents? Sometimes Christmas is a mess for all of us. We've all been through that messy Christmas where we weren't where we were usually supposed to be with the people we were supposed to be with. And Christmas becomes this, this scramble of, of a mess. And no part of the story seems right. That's why the story of Joseph's discussion with the angel is here. None of the elements of the story are right. None of it is good for a righteous boy and a righteous girl trying to do God's will. Everything is going wrong all around them. Even the parts that God is involved in don't seem like they're fitting in any way, shape, or form. And and they're not going to for some time. And, And yet... It's God's story. You and I on the backside of it can look and we know how it plays out. It's going to work out for the salvation of the world. But in that moment, when Joseph has the hard decisions to make, when nothing seems to be working out, when nothing seems to match up, when everything is an ugly scramble, Joseph can't see that. He doesn't have the benefit of a couple thousand years of hindsight. He just has to trust God. He just has to believe that there's truth in this, that there's a purpose in this. Put one foot in front of the other and walk right into it. If that's where you are this Christmas, I hope you'll take heart from this message. I hope you'll keep putting one foot in front of the other and walk through this Christmas, even if it feels like just going through the motions, walking through a cloud, trying to put scrambled eggs back in the shell. Keep walking. Keep praying. Keep looking. God is coming.